This is Fayette Forward, where we discuss trails, transit, city planning, and anything else that's on our minds. Our goal is to keep Fayetteville moving forward in a positive, inclusive, and intentional way that benefits everyone who lives in this great city in the Ozarks. You ready? Come on in. Hello and welcome to Fayette Forward. I'm Nick and I'm here with my co-host and wife, Meredith. And today we have a very special guest. Randy Wilburn is here and he's a podcaster, an entrepreneur, a great friend, and overall just a good human. Randy has been immersed in everything Northwest Arkansas since 2014 and we're really excited to chat with him today. Randy runs a wonderful podcast called I Am Northwest Arkansas, and I believe we found it when we had just decided we were probably going to move to Fayetteville, and we started searching for podcasts because we were on a drive back from my parents' house, and we ended up listening to like 12 of his episodes. So maybe you have a better recollection of how we reached out. I know at one point we touched base with you, Randy. Yeah, you sent an email. Uh, You sent an email, I think. That was the first uh, interaction. And I think I was surprised that anybody would listen to my podcast uh, or or multiple episodes. But I have since heard that over and over from a lot of people. So I'm I'm always honored when people take time out of their day. And in the same way that they could be watching Succession or doing something else, right? Where, you know, it's they have decided that my podcast will serve as some entertainment, some information, something to give them you know, maybe get them from point A to point B, or even just to give them some information that they didn't have. So I'm always honored when I hear that. Yeah. Well, thank you for responding to the email too, because I remember when I reached out, I was having kind of a fangirl moment, like really nervous. Is he going to write back? And you were so nice and so responsive and welcoming. And it reflected what your podcast represents. I think this very inclusive look at Northwest Arkansas and That's really a big part of what made us decide to move here was listening to you, listening to your representation of the area and what it had to offer. And you being a transplant yourself just got us really inspired. Yeah, it's it. There's nothing like that, I think, because when you think about, you know, when you think about a place and I tell people all the time, it was the podcast I would have wanted to listen to before I moved here. It didn't exist back in 2014. So you guys had the benefit of waiting a few years before you decided to move to Northwest Arkansas and somebody had created a podcast. Now there are several podcasts that people can listen to, but I I love the fact that I'm able to kind of focus on this area as a whole and just all that it has to offer. And there's so much. And, and that's why I'm so excited for what you guys are doing with your podcast, because, you know, there's room and there's space on the bus for everybody to share their particular aspect of what makes Northwest Arkansas unique to them. And you have found your niche with this podcast, and I'm excited to be a part of that. Well, thank you so much for for joining us. And, you know, we're just figuring everything out. We're new to this game, and you're kind of our our benchmark so we got a lot to live up to but we're gonna we're gonna make the most of it we're gonna have some fun and we're really excited to get your perspective on trails transit city planning and whatever else we get into today and although we're focused on Fayetteville primarily we realize that everything in NWA is connected yeah I mean it really is you know and it's so funny my wife and I were going out the other night and we were driving through downtown Bentonville the other town that's just uh, th- uh, three towns away from Fayetteville. And we've remarked about how much it has changed. Oh, yeah. 
you know, and sometimes when you live in a place, you don't see the change as much as you do in another place that you don't physically live. And so I spend a lot of time in Bentonville. I'm always up there for business. I'm up there for soccer with my sons, just as you name it, we're there. I mean, all the cities we're in, Rogers, Springdale, but we live in Fayetteville. Sometimes when you're really close to something, you can't always see the change. Mm -hmm. But I do see the change here in Fayetteville, even in this area where you guys live on the east side of town over by Gully Park. This area has changed tremendously. When I first moved here, there were no, there was talk of, a trail. There was talk of a greenway coming this far up. This is the old on, wire on right. trail in Neokaska. Yeah, exactly. And so and so when Neokaska Creek Trail was finally installed, I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember the before, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And it was just like, and I walk it almost every day now. I mean, I literally walk it every day except for Sunday. And so there's just something, I mean, you kind of take it for granted now that it's there. And I can only imagine people that move here and five or 10 years, they're going to really get some tremendous benefit out of it. You know, the nice thing about it is that it, it, it can take you to a lot of places. And I know they're, they're trying to make some additional connections with it right. that, you know, it's, it's kind of going down most of mission. I mean, most of old wire to mission. And as you get more uh, of a, of a greenway on mission, which will be kind of cool, it'll be nice to take you all the way to 265. So, you know, I, I just, I mean, these are things that didn't exist in 2014 when we got here. They just, they just weren't here. I mean, I was riding on the street yeah. in a lot of places, you know, where, where the greenway was, it was, but where it wasn't, I had to ride on the street and I had to com compete with trucks and you name it. And I, I tell people all the time that are coming here, I'm like, listen, you can go really far here without ever physically getting on the road. And that's huge. Yeah. I think that's true. really big. And it's interesting because, you know, I think we're also an example. When we were looking at places to live, we were looking all over Fayetteville and different areas. And when we ultimately found the area we do live in now near Gully Park, we were like, you know, because that trail existed, we didn't realize how new it was when we first found it. Yeah. We were new to town. We didn't know. And we're like, this is great. This trail is wonderful. Like, you know, I don't mind living a little bit farther out of town than when we thought we wanted, you know, that kind of thing because we had this ability to just go in and, and we bike it all the time. I and mean, we, we walk it sometimes too. It just depends. Um, but we'll bike into town and it's super easy and it's going to become even easier with that mission trail, yeah. which has been delayed a few times. But from what I understand, they, they're getting their final permission now um, as of spring 2023. So uh, hopefully that'll make it even nicer. Did that play a role when you were first moving here, knowing that the Greenway itself existed? Or was it so small that it was still feeling more recreational versus transit? You know, it's so funny because I don't know that I was ever thinking about the Greenway. I think we came to visit for a week. It was a beautiful week in October. And um, I, I we stayed on Dixon Street at the Dixon Street Inn. Yes. And I would run down to the Greenway every morning and run up, all the way up past North past um uh sycamore mm -hmm. i keep going north uh on uh, on the greenway and i don't know maybe maybe two two and a half mile run and i was like oh this is kind of cool i could do this yeah. all the time right i wasn't thinking of it like wow this thing is all connected i mean people told me while i was here well you know that you can take this all the way to bentonville and i was mm -hmm. like well i'm not running to bentonville <laughs> but i guess i could bike to bentonville which i've done and and i've, I've done that many a time but yeah i mean it's just you don't realize how connected all the cities are here in Northwest Arkansas. And, you know, I've had the privilege of actually speaking to some of the urban planners that, that kind of devised the Greenway. And 
man, they just had some foresight. You know, that's what planners do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they kind of think about, well, what's how will this impact an, a community, not necessarily just today, but how will it impact it 10, 15, 20 years down the road? And they've been talking about this for years. It's not like this just, it's just in a generation's time, it has finally come to fruition where you can really appreciate it. I, I forget the number of miles of trails. It might be like something like 154 uh, miles of trail. Sounds about right. Yeah, somewhere in that range. And don't, you know, I don't do public math, but you know, <laughs> that that's the thing. And so there's a lot of trail. Yeah. And, and so I think the big thing now is, okay, so we have a fairly strong and um, really good trunk from east, from north to south. Now it's east to west, mm-hmm. yes. right? And how do you connect those spots? It's just like when you look at any major city that has mass transit, it's like, okay, you, you typically will get those four points mm-hmm. covered, but then you want to make sure that within those, it has a it has a strong structure so that every time you go up on a point, you can go, you can branch out some. Right. And so yes. that's, that's the key component that I see that has to happen here in Northwest Arkansas for people to really feel like, oh, I can get to just about anywhere, even on my bike. Yes. Right. We're not in Holland. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, you know, it would be nice to to kind of have that kind of feeling where everywhere you go, you see e-bikes and just bikes and people just using it as a way to commute. I see commuters every morning on uh, on my walk on the Neokaska Creek Trail on their way to work. Yes. And that's honestly what I think is incredible about this area is that the people who are doing the planning have the foresight to think ahead. And they seem to be taking that approach, like you said, of a major city with mass transit. Yeah. One of my favorite cities in the world is Philly. SEPTA, SEPTA <laughs> yeah. goes everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And yeah. it as I've watched the trails develop, I'm seeing some of those patterns. So clearly they know what they're doing. Yeah. They're looking at major cities and figuring out how do we make this into a transportation network, not just a recreational network. Yeah. And I think about that all the time because, you know, coming from Boston, I spent 17 years up in New England and, and you know, the metro up there go, does really well. It gets all over the place. And, and it is you know, deceptively, it's really connected. It's not quite like uh, some places in Europe. I mean, I lived in Germany and I mean, you could literally go from point A to point B there, but that's, that's like 60, 70 years of infrastructure Mm -hmm. built out, right? You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, after the war, they were like, we got to do this. And they had, they basically had a blank canvas. And so they were like, we're going to make sure that everything is connected and that you have no, you know, have no struggle going from one point to another. But I mean, you know, and and that's the other thing too. When I think of it, I, th- I think of, you know, some of the modes of transportation that are so valuable in Europe that, like, man, if we could only tap into that, especially in the heartland, right? Yeah. It's one of the few areas where there's still a lot of open space. It's hard, it's hard to add in a monorail between New York and Philly because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just too much uh, eminent domain that has to be taken and all this other stuff. But in the heartland, in the Midwest. There's still a lot of open areas where we could really connect major cities. Imagine if we could just connect like, and I'm going off on a tangent now, but like Kansas City, Wichita, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Amarillo, and then, you know, make your way down to Dallas. And, you know, I mean, there's, it's just like, I could, I, in my head, I could totally see it and it would be so vibrant. And that's kind of what we need. And it's, you know, for, for all of our engineering excellence in the United States. It's the one thing that we haven't been able to crack, which is that type of transportation, especially rail transit that can really get you to a lot of different places. Because when you think about it, 
it's hard getting from like if I wanted to just take a bus from here to Kansas City, it's mm-hmm. not that easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it not that easy, it right? You know, be. you would think yeah. it should be, right? It's kind of like me taking a train from, I mean, and it's not even that far, but from Berlin to Munich mm-hmm. or Berlin to Hanover or Berlin to Köln. I mean, I can easily do that. And and you can't, I mean, and we're talking about like as a car drives, I can get to Kansas City in three hours, but there's no other means of transportation that can get me there that easily. And it seems like a lot of the reason that this happens is just because the U.S. is, you know, just a very independent nation, right? People are have yeah. this independent streak. And so I think there's this car ownership culture of like, <laughs> you know, like I I'm independent. I can get anywhere I want anytime I want as fast as possible because I have my own car it's customized to the way I want it and you know that's awesome I love that I love cars I love driving uh Meredith hates driving (laughs) but um but I also I think it's almost gone to the point where it's to the exclusion of a lot of other things where they're like well we don't need anything else we have cars and it's like yeah but like there's a quality of life that you're missing out on Mm -hmm. I mean when you it's I don't get me wrong when I'm in a hurry and I have a car it's nice to be able to get somewhere fast and I and that is a a, a downside of sometimes with public transportation it takes longer but you know there's so many times where you don't need a car at all and there's just literally no reason to need a car if you had good enough alternatives and so I think you know part of us starting this podcast was just understanding that like we you know people just need to talk about it more like even though we're not experts on the topic we love it we're really interested in it we're invested in it and we want to interview all the people who actually know what they're doing in this space and and the change makers and the people who might have you know great ideas that we can talk about so i have oh go for it no i was just going to say as you were saying that well i think one of the things that has to happen are for those that are in a position of decision making to really walk in the shoes of those that don't have access to a car. Yes. We're all talking about a car. Mm-hmm. We have access to a car. Yes. Right. There are a lot of people that are here in Northwest Arkansas that don't have access yes. to a car that, that rely on ORT that rely and that's Ozark regional transit. They rely on the bus to get them. And I'm like, man, the buses really don't even go that many places. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wow. Okay. Here's, here's some of the issues that we have to try to solve. How do we, a make regional transit more available how do we like i would i've never seen a regional transit bus um going down old wire or anything like that i mean i've I've only seen it on the main thoroughfares and i know it runs up and down college which is 71 but you know i don't we don't see it in other places where it needs to be now they have made a few strides there with ort on demand i don't know if you've used that ever i've heard about it. i've never so used it i've heard about we've it we've used it and it's actually great and it you know the downside is it is only in certain areas and might not serve some of the areas that need it the most unfortunately but i think because there is a coverage gap on the east side they yeah. they basically took everything east of college i believe going north to south and you can basically dial it up on an app like uber and it's free and and we have had them pick us up from really? our house yeah and and, and and they run until what time well, so that's a nice thing. They just expanded their hours, so I'll have to double check and, and put that in the show notes. So you had them pick you up here in front of your house, mm-hmm. yes, and they took you where? They took us to ONF in this case. Now, nice. Now, okay. in, now, in some places, like so I think where we were going that night, we were going downtown, or uh, during the day, actually, but it, they won't drop you off anywhere west of college. 
just because okay. like the on-demand yeah, service, because yeah, yeah. there there are already transit routes sure, there. Sure, and sure. So I think they didn't want to cannibalize the yeah, business. And so, yeah. um, but it was nice though. You know, we we just picked ONF because it was a landmark, and we don't mind walking. We like walking around yep. once we get down there. And you know, sometimes it's just that you know, getting a few miles from where you are to the to where you where it's a really walkable area. Like even if you don't live in a particularly walkable area, yeah. Um, you know, if you have access to these transit modes, then you can get somewhere where you can then just spend the whole day or spend the evening or whatever it might be without having to worry about driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the yeah, the problem one of the problems with ORT on demand is that it doesn't run all night, so it's not like you can you know you have to think about it. You have to be like, okay, I got to plan around this, and if if I'm running late, it's not going to be there for me. And then what I, you know, there is always Uber, but those cost money. You know, sure. so it comes back to the equity and like trying to make sure that people that don't have as much money or means of transport can still access these services. So the nice part is ORT on demand is free at least through the end of 2023. I think there's due to some grants probably uh, from some foundations. And so that's a start, but I think, I think it's a, I think it's a good proof of concept and it just shows the city's at least trying to think about these things yeah. and improve mm-hmm. it. But when you were earlier, you were talking about the East West thoroughfares uh, off the greenway. I just want to go back to that real quick because I was thinking, you know, historically, I think they tried to build all the trails in valleys and along train tracks and areas where it's flat as possible, because if you're on a bike, or you're walking, you don't really want to be on these huge hills that we have here in Fayetteville. Trust me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I've realized, you know, now ever since e-bikes have become more popular, and obviously this doesn't apply to everyone, not everyone has an e-bike, but if you have an e-bike, the hills aren't nearly as bad for No, 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 no. You no, know, and, and you, no. It's, it's, a, it's a game changer. So if you have access to an e-bike, you know, I think some of those east-west corridors that they maybe have ignored, like let's just pick Township, for example, big hill over Township from old wire to uh to college Mm -hmm. that's an example of a hill that you know it doesn't seem like you would probably put a a trail there but you know if if there was one there there's enough people with e-bikes now that it would be uh it'd be possible so i think that's it'll be it'll be interesting to see how how that affects the planning going forward whether they're taking into account motorized transport on you know micro mobility and scooters and things like that and another thing i was thinking is that you mentioned that like a lot of these cities have have really good transport and some that don't and i was thinking back when we lived in san diego it was a big city the weather is nice most of the time Mm -hmm. and it's a very it's like the place you should be outside biking or walking all the time and it's funny because the time you would see the most people would be like at the beach on the boardwalks right? right but there aren't like if you try to bike around san diego Ooh. Good luck to you. Like, yeah, you're gonna yeah. die. I mean, you yeah. can't. Like, you can, but it's just—it's not a pleasant experience. I mean, we're constantly grabbing each other out of the way of cars. Oh my goodness! It was—it's scary to walk yeah. there. And yeah. and, and, they, and apparently, in the recent years since we've left, they um, have added more lanes and stuff like that. But I, what my point to that was, when you have a city that's long established with a lot of cars and roads and all these things it's really hard to add to that. It's really hard to, like you said, eminent domain, things like that. It's really hard to just carve trails through people's yards. Now, once they're there, people get really fiercely protective because, you know, they paid for that land, especially on the coast. It's very expensive land. They're like, you're not taking that. I don't care how much you pay me. Right. And so I think Fayetteville has a really good, it's early enough in the process. Like we always talk about the growth here. People are often a bit scared of the growth because it's a highly, it's a fast growing area. But we always think about, you know, Fayetteville has about 100,000 right now, maybe a little bit less. 
And I think the projections are 120, 140,000 in the next 20 years, something like that. Yeah, it's probably going to be more than that. Well, that's, yes, yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. But it's interesting because we think about, okay, even if it doubled, if you got to 200K, yeah. that's still smaller than many, 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 many places. True, true. And so I, I mean, think, well, right now, Fayetteville is the second largest city in the state. For Arkansas, it's For big. Arkansas, yeah, it's big. But it when you compare big. to these other big cities, it's like we realize, like, okay, it still has tons of time, and we have all this opportunity that, that these other cities, when they were that small, it was so long ago before anyone was thinking about this yeah. that um, it's kind of it's it's very very hard to to change it now. Yep. So we have an opportunity. Yeah. Well, I lived in Austin briefly after college, and I think it's about doubled since I lived there because I'm old. And so <laughs> I just remember at the time feeling like it was a very car dominant city compared. Yeah. To, I had just come from Philly, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, there, everybody drives here, and it just was a complete like mind shift for how to get around town and everything. But even then people were complaining about it was not growing well as a city. Right. And I, I forget the refrain I heard all the time, but it was like, nobody believes in urban planning and just people were complaining about it. And it's, it's pretty much doubled since then in 20 something years. And I keep hearing the same people saying the same things. And quite a few of those people who lived there when I was there and before then are wanting to leave. Yeah. And I look at this area as, okay, this could potentially be a similar situation if not managed properly where it becomes a car-dominant hellscape of just traffic, snarls of traffic and everything. But we have the opportunity, and I think we have the wonderful leadership here to avoid a lot of those snags because people are thinking so far ahead. Mm -hmm. So some of the things we wanted to pick your brain about were what do you think would be an ideal development of the trails because I know you use them recreationally, but I've also seen you in your car commuting. So I'm curious what would make you go from recreational walker and cyclist on the trails to using them as an actual form of transportation. So we avoid traffic and then what kinds of developments on the trails would you like to see? So, okay. So, and I've thought about this, um, at, at, at nauseam actually. <laughs> so I think first of all, if they could create um, what I would call, especially like a biker house or something like that, where you might have a place where people could rent a shower or something mm. along those lines, because everybody's company doesn't have a shower. And yes. I know several people who have companies who work at companies downtown Fayetteville that have shower access. So I'm a sweater. Mm -hmm. If I ride my bike from my house, <laughs> I've ridden my bike from my house to ONF on this side of town, the <laughs> east side, and I've ridden it the traditional route through the Greenway all the way mm -hmm. um, by the hospitals, uh, go through the big tunnel, um, cross the highway, all that good stuff. And and that's a, that takes me about from my house to downtown Dixon. It takes me about 28 minutes if I'm riding fast. Mm -hmm. um, I can get to ONF if I take the east side of t town, the trail. I can get there in about 20 minutes. The biggest thing for me is, oh, man, I need to refresh myself. Yes. You know, so either I need to carry a big box of dude wipes with me or something <laughs> like that. Or, you know, those are the those are the things that I'm thinking about. But I'm also thinking, OK, because I've thought about this. I've thought, man, I should just get an e-bike and don't worry about the car during the week. And if I can get back and forth and, you know, for me, it's like, well, what do I carry around? Like a lot of times, like what you guys have in front of us, I carry audio equipment, so sometimes I don't have that luxury, but now that I do a lot of recording at KUAF, it's all built in. So I can just go nice. there and show up and do it. Mm -hmm. So 
I have to kind of figure out, you know, what's the best way for me to do that? And, and am I able to do that and kind of carry stuff with me when I go, you know, travel to and fro? So those are my considerations. Um, biggest thing for me would be some kind of system where maybe there would be more east-west connectors throughout the spine of the greenway that's going north to south that would, you know, connect up at different locations, key locations, because, you know, it's the same way that they look at roads, right? You know, they're... There are certain key roads that are in specifically Fayetteville, like Township and Joyce and Rolling Hills to a certain extent. And, you know, others that are kind of cross through streets that take mm -hmm. you from almost 265, which is, yeah, well, 265, Dick Trammell Highway, all the way over to Business 71, which is college. So you're looking at, I, I want more access between those roads can i get that and that would make a, a big difference like township is one example although township is kind of a narrow road and yeah. you know it's got a major hill there yeah. so it'd be, it'd be a tough one it would sure. be i mean because if you're hitting that without some electric uh, power behind you it's like man that's oh, a, that have. is a, that is a nice hill so it's like a hello and, oh, yeah. and, and you were mentioning you know the, the whole sweating thing when you're when you're on a bike even if you have an e-bike in the Oof. dead of summer you're still oh yeah you're still oh, yeah. sweating you're toasting now it does make you it makes it better for yeah. sure but you're gonna be you know and I, so i totally feel you on the having a some place to go i mean it, it makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense you know that kind of ties in like we've talked about having you know sort of little i don't know like i don't know what you want to call them but yeah these little huts or somewhere you can go to clean up uh maybe they have like tune a, like a bike. yeah maybe they have a little bike tune-up station maybe they have like a vending machine with sure. some snacks i mean just like it, you know it'd be it'd be interesting and and I, maybe we'd have to figure out where it would go on the trails and things like that and who would staff it how do you make sure it stays clean? All those things. But it's a great idea. I mean, I think, and I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen here eventually. Mm -hmm. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. And to me, I totally, for anybody out there that's an entrepreneur, I mean, I totally see it as a business model that could be really viable if the cities don't take it up, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that cities can't have it. I mean, who's to say that cities don't have something along those lines at the end of, at, at Mount Kessler? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, have it at strategic locations, yes. Centennial. Mm -hmm. I mean, Centennial kind of has something like that, but they don't have a shower or anything like that. But, right. you know, they have some stuff and you can kind of work on your bike if you're up there and, you you know, you're up, you're around there. But I'm just thinking of all of those locations, you would you would want to have something strategic where mm -hmm. you could do a quick bike repair, maybe a change of a flat tire. Um, if you needed to refresh yourself, you could do that, get some cold water, whatever that, you know, that should be accessible and available to you. Most months of the year. Yes. You know. Speaking of months of the year, I always think a little bit of cover because sometimes the rain, you know, the skies here just open up and I love that about here. I love the weather. I love the wild changes of seasons. But when you're out on your bike and it, it doesn't look like it's going to rain and then yeah, all of a sudden it does. It does. Yeah. Those are the things whenever I think about actually becoming a bike commuter and replacing a car with a bike. I always think about that. What happens when you get stuck along, sure, along sure. a route and it would just be so nice to be able to put your bike somewhere safe and dry. And maybe if there's also a node for a bus stop at the same mm. hut, you know, you could say, okay, well, I guess the sky opened up. I'm going to dry it's off like my a bike. Multimodal transit yeah. connector. Yes. Or transit station. Transit Transfer hubs. station. That's yeah. what I should say. That would be nice. That mm -hmm. would be really nice. Um, and, and there's gotta be a way to do it. I'm just, I think it's, it's just a matter of people here like, like that are from, from here, Northwest Arkansas, this part of the country, their use of vehicles is different than people that have come here from the coast. Mm -hmm. 
or from another country where you you you're really looking at multimodal transportation. Around here, if you if you don't have a car, then you're really not for the longest time you weren't getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things where you have to kind of break through some psychological barriers that exist for some people that are just like, I just have to have a car. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't, you know, maybe you don't. I mean, we're at a place now where, you know, autonomous vehicles are coming online. There are a lot of new opportunities that are happening and there's car sharing. I mean, when I was, when I was in Boston, before I left Boston, I used to have a zip car. Yeah. And, and, and those things were great because uh, we only had one car. So whenever I needed a car, I would just get a zip car and just drive that around. And there was always zip car locations within a five to 10 minute walk from my house. Yep. Yeah, we had one in San Diego. It was like a called Car to Go. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? It didn't last very long, I think, just because you know the model was hard to sustain. But they had these little like almost like golf carts yeah. that were street legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it was it was just like the scooter system where they would just be like parked random spots, and you would just go get them, and you'd start the engine with your app. Yeah. So it was like a kind of a hybrid of the two because I think Zipcar has specific locations you drop off, right? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, well, actually, you can you can technically drop it off. At any zip car location, the way that I had it, you didn't have to bring it back to nice. where you got it from, which was kind of nice. By the way, we're not sponsored by Zipcar. No, no, of course not. <laughs> but, but so, and I but, believe they're still around, if I'm not mistaken. I think mistaken. so, yeah. Yeah, they're still around. And, and actually, that brings up an interesting thought is, you know, a lot of the reason why you have trouble with ridership and use of multimodal transport often comes down to just population density and population in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're still, we're still a relatively low population area relative to a lot of places in the U S and I think, you know, the problem is people don't want to build it when you have less, fewer people because yeah. they say, well, we don't need it. Right. And it costs too much taxpayer money, whatever it might be. And, you know, those are valid concerns too, right? We have to it's one pool of money we have to figure out. Everyone has to have something in it for them, you know, for them or their families. Mm-hmm. And it's just until it's almost like the chicken egg thing where until you build it, people don't use it then, but then it might attract more people to that want to use it like us. Like we moved here for many reasons, but one of them was, you know, we knew that they invest in trails here. They invest in multimodal transit and it's like something that is still on the up to upswing and it's fun and exciting to be here while it's growing. Cause yeah. you know, maybe we have a, a hand in, you know, shaping it in the smallest of ways, whether it's like uh, community surveys or meeting and talking to people in the city. I mean, I, people here have been so open and transparent and extremely willing to chat. And it's, it's very refreshing. I mean, people here are just friendly in general. It's another reason we love it here. Well, you, and you guys are also, you guys get out and get involved, right? Like you're not just sitting by waiting to read about it in the paper. Yeah. You're like, Hey, we should do this. Or like you've been at, at, um, the Northwest Arkansas council events. You, you have kind of thrown yourself in and I've, I've kind of been, been amazed at the short period of time that you've been here and the connections that you, you have made and, you know, the people that you've, you've connected with. And, and, uh, so I think that's important too. And I think you guys are an example of everybody that's this is open to anyone to do right it's not just i mean not not that they have to do a podcast sure but but i mean but i i think it's it's you know be a part of the change that you seek Mm -hmm. right i mean that's just i know it sounds hokey but it's true it's true true. it really is true we're trying we're trying to like do things that we feel are beneficial yeah at least that we think are you know yeah yeah and i mean and you got to put the time in you know you got to put some time in and people have to know that you care and and once they realize that then they're like okay well let's 
You know, let's see mm-hmm. what's going on. Because, you know, for, you know, you go to some places and everybody's like, oh, it's us versus them, right? We're yeah. the locals, we're the original people. And it's like, no, it's not that kind of party. <laughs> we're all trying to make this place yeah. the best place that it can be. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to turn Northwest Arkansas into something that it can't be. I, I just want to, I just want to see it be the best version of itself. Yes. Same. Yeah. And that's, that's, yeah. that's important. And I do carry some guilt in being a transplant moving in basically <laughs> from the two states that get the most grief for, <laughs> for having people move in Texas and California. California that's yeah. where I spent 18 and another 18 years of my life, basically with a little stint in Philly. And so there is a guilt about coming in here and I don't want to give the impression that I move in and just want to change everything. If anything, I want to make sure that having moved in here, somehow I play a small role in keeping it wonderful and then making sure that people can afford to live here, making sure that it grows in a way that's inclusive. And so making sure people can afford to live here is something we really wanted to chat with you about too, because I've heard you comment a few times on I am Northwest Arkansas that things have gotten so expensive since you moved here. The areas downtown where it's the most walkable urban core are pretty much out of reach for most people. Oh yeah, totally. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's so expensive. And so what are some of your thoughts in general about balancing growth with making sure that people who have been here a while can still afford the same amenities as people who come in And what does that look like from a perspective of creating community outside of maybe the downtown urban core? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think we need less people that are NIMBYs, right? Not in my backyard. We need need more YIMBYs. That's Mm -hmm. the new thing. Yes, in my backyard. (laughs) So, and that is actually a thing, right? People are like, hey, you know, we want to see the development happen. We want to see that happen because we know that it benefits everybody. Mm -hmm. There's a Facebook group called YIMBY Northwest Arkansas, by the way. Yeah, and and I think that there's something to be said for that. Um, And I think there's a way that we can do it, right? We We can figure out a way to... Uh, allow those that want to to do Airbnb type ownership of properties as long as well as those that want to buy and be a landlord and and have a traditional rental as well as those that you know maybe see the benefit of building a, a two or three uh, unit complex that gives some creates some affordable housing but we are going to run into a problem in the next 15 to 20 years where none of the teachers, uh, Mm -hmm. first responders, any of the primary people that take care of us on a regular basis through their service, through the work that they do are going to be, it's going to be an affordable place for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've, I've taught, I've said this many a time when I've spoken with the Northwest Arkansas council and, you know, I remember chef Raphael, Raphael from Yeos had said that, uh, you know, he was telling me that, his his team is it's hard get, keeping his team close to his restaurant, and I you know it, having him tell the story of how much how much easier it was just six seven years ago than it is today to do yep. it, and that's just a microcosm of some of the challenges that we face here in Northwest Arkansas, and so the council's doing a lot to try to educate people around it and to have those conversations early and often, but it's the kind of thing where you've got to beat that drum in the ears of the developers. Mm -hmm. You've got to beat that drum in the ears of the city planners. You have to beat that drum in the ears of, you know, countywide leadership, countywide politicians to have them understand that we're at a very important precipice in our time that if we think, 
critically about what the future could be in Northwest Arkansas, we could really make sure that we we grow and develop affordable housing for everybody and create opportunities for people to not be too far from the city center. Right. And it maybe have multiple local small city centers. So like yes. I think of like Uptown Fayetteville, that's a little city center right mm-hmm. there. But some of those apartments are quietly are very expensive. Yes. That's mm-hmm. the challenge, right? Yep. So it's like how do we kind of bridge that gap? And then on the west side of town, yes. how do we how do we connect that? And then of course south of town, how do we how do we connect that? So there are there are a number of different ways to do it and almost treating each area as its own little city center mm-hmm. that's connected. We we can't all be in the historic district in in right. uh, in right. Fayetteville. Well, the best, I mean, the best neighborhoods always have a lot of different things. They have like a little market. They have, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, it's community. Well, I, I don't want to use the term, but because it, it gets loaded now, but the 15 minute city idea, right? Like people have talked about this. It's now it's like a weird buzzword that people don't like, but the whole idea of that is just to say like that you have, you know, the things you need. Yeah in your neighborhood. Right. And there's really no reason we can't do that. I think it's just zoning on uh, really, really people just say, okay, this entire area is single family homes. So you can't build anything more than one on the lot and you can't build a single business on the street. And I understand because if it's right next to your house, you might think, oh, great. I have this, you know, loud business that's going to go in. But I think that, you know, as long as they're open to variances where people are saying like, hey, this is even though this is in a residential neighborhood, this type of business is only open during the day. Maybe you know it's you have maybe certain things you ha- you put in place for soundproofing, whatever. It's not like a concert venue necessarily. Right, I mean, I mean right. although it could be, you know, like yeah. Prairie Street Live is in a neighborhood. Sure, and I think there's some people that don't love that, but I also think it's really cool and a really exciting thing and, and a unique thing about Fayetteville is that it has that. So there's good and bad with everything. I think it's just um, it, it's really interesting because with, with affordable housing, I'm always trying to figure out like, what is the right, you know, the best way to do it? Because you hear about, you know, they build these new buildings and they say, okay, well, you know, eight units out of 200 have to be affordable, quote unquote (laughs) affordable. And you're like, is that doing anything? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Like it's not even 10% of the housing stock there. And and it's like, is that, I'm always struggling. Like, is, I understand the, the meaning, like they're trying to do something good and I appreciate that, but I always wonder like, is this actually helping? But I, but then I've also read things that say just by building, building anything, it could be high end homes. If you just build, it's, it's taking people out of the market for some of those other homes. So even if you build a bunch of homes that are for the wealthy, it's not as good as building homes that are cheaper, but maybe it'll make it so some of the people who can afford those big homes aren't competing with you at the lower side of things. And so there's all these theories and I don't, I don't, I'm it's one thing I'm curious to learn about. Yeah. So they have programs in place in very large cities mm-hmm. where when developers want to build mm-hmm. like several high end properties, they also have to commit to building uh, some affordable housing properties. Oh, so in, in entirely different properties. Yes, absolutely. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. yeah, not necessarily in this, okay. you know, yeah. So it's to balance it out. So maybe mm-hmm. they build a couple okay. on Wilshire. Yeah. And, they, and, then, and then they go someplace else and they, yeah. and they build, they build, you know, five units or whatever. I mean, just, it's kind of yeah. a, a quid pro quo of if, if you do this, then you have to do this. That, that could totally be one way to do it. Hmm. The challenge is that you have to have like a state housing finance agency hmm. that's really up to par for that. I don't think Arkansas is quite there yet. Like when I came from Massachusetts, Mass, they have a thing called Mass Housing. Mm-hmm. Mass Housing is one of the top state financing agencies, agencies in the country. They have some of the best affordable 
home programs. They have some of the best DAP programs, which is down payment assistance. Yeah. A lot of things like like things that when I moved here, nobody was asking about, oh, is it first time home buyer class or anything like that? People don't. I mean, you're just like, oh, you just saved up your money and you bought a house and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're coming from a marketplace where you're getting people that traditionally haven't been homeowners, and that's the same for people here. There's a lot of people yeah. here that have been renters all their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. They just, nobody has educated them about what home ownership represents and what that looks like. Deed restricted properties. There's a number of ways to do it. And it's not like, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? It's it's being done in other parts of the country. Yeah. We just have to determine what we have the stomach for. Yeah. What we're willing to do. What we're willing, you know, because for some people, it may be foreign to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be foreign to somebody to say, hey, yeah, you, you bought this place. It's got a great deal. But- the property value is only going to rise at a certain percentage each year, no matter how the market does. Oh, uh, and they take, that's the, a high, they that's, take the difference? No, no, no. Oh. They don't take the difference. It's oh. just capped. Oh, I see. So okay. it's so so. there are some properties that are deed restricted like that. Like in Boston, for instance, I, I, used, I used to sell properties that were like that, oh. where it would be deed restricted. And you could only make, so like even if the market just went through the roof, you couldn't all of a sudden, if, if a comparable house down the street was selling for 400000 you paid two hundred, and you wanted to sell yours for, you know, in two years it went up $200,000. You couldn't sell it for 200000 more mm-hmm. than what you paid for it. You could only sell it for 5% more than what you paid for it each year. Got it. Okay. You understand? Yep. So it's capped Keep, out. It keeps it affordable. And it, yeah, it keeps it affordable, right. right? So that's the way it's kind of steps. Each, each year it goes up, right. but it's never going to go like through the roof. Right. Is that like Willow Bend? Because I know there's a no, community. No, it's, not, the, it's okay. not quite the same thing. But but Willow Bend is a, is a form of affordable housing development where they had several market rate, mm-hmm. and then they have yeah. several that are that are affordable. And that's been a challenge too, I think. And I've talked to Keaton Smith about that and others. And you know, I mean, I think they're trying. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, if it, I think I applaud them because I think they're trying to do it. But there are other ways to do it. But the, the challenge that you'll find in, in in the heartland is that people view land a little differently mm-hmm. than they do in the inner city or in the cities, if you will. For and sure. so, yeah, I mean, it's land is like a right, you know, and it's <laughs> like, I got to have my land. This and is I'm my like, spot. This and- is my spot. And, and it's totally different. But I think it's it's important for us to understand that, you know, we can all get you know, our 40 acres and a mule, or maybe it's not 40 acres, maybe it's 0.4 acres, yeah, and yeah, point, yeah. Point four, 0.4 acres and a cat, and, and then call yeah. it a day, speaking right? Our, speaking so, our language, yeah, exactly. yeah. So, you know, but we all want something, right, that, mm-hmm. that makes sense for us. And so I think it's, you know, it's kind of having that conversation. And when you think of how this country was built, when people were sent west, I mean, they were a lot of people were just promised land. Mm-hmm. You look at all the land that mm-hmm. was given to people. It's like, hey, if you just go west, we'll give you some land. Right. And, and you know, it's interesting because I think in today's climate, everything turns political, even if you're not trying to. No, and I, I know. And I think that these kind of issues are inherently apolitical. They're, I mean, you need political solutions sometimes to solve them, which is right. why it becomes political. But it's just so interesting because I think there is this knee jerk saying like, well, this policy, this idea is like a conservative or a liberal idea or this idea we can't do because it's it's like they do it out there in those blue states and we're you know there's just all these different concepts of of how to do things and I think as long as people are willing to come to the table and just put politics aside and just say like we're just trying to help everyone like if we if we can agree on the common goal that we want to help people maybe we can get somewhere but um, you know I just I worry whenever we get in these discussions not us but you know at large just kind of 
how everything is twisted and um, well, yeah. it's, it makes I it mean, so much harder. It does. And people always want to know what, what, what are you getting out of this? What yes. is, you know, what's, what are you, what's your benefit going to be? And unfortunately, especially with politics, it's power when it comes to land and dealing with land right. and parceling it out and making it available and adjudicating or dealing with or coming up with laws that are pro um, affordable housing. You right. know, and it's just, it's, 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 it's still a tough, it's a tough conversation. So, no. but it's one that you just have to keep having. And so I believe the more people have this dialogue and mm-hmm. like the more that organizations like the Northwest Arkansas Council that has doubled down with this Futures Now speaker series, where yeah. like, mm-hmm. if we don't do something now. Which is wonderful, by the way. Yeah, yeah it is a great program. So great. If we don't great, do great moderator now, too. By thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, he's not too bad. um, (laughs) Randy was the moderator, if you haven't figured that (laughs) out. (laughs) So, but I mean, you know, it's just, it's just a perfect example that, you know, people need to have these conversations early and often, and you can't just sit by and hope that some other person's going to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what we're hoping to do with this. And, you know, we're going to just keep talking to people and we're going to, going to bug people and be like, Hey, come talk to us. And we'll see, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully people, we really, really appreciate you taking the time. And um, no, I'm honored. Anything I could do to help you guys get the word out. We'll have you back numerous times. That's okay. (laughs) I feel like we've only scratched the surface. It's the the podcast where Randy's on every episode. (laughs) He's not the host. He's just the guest. Yeah. Right. No, but um, before, before we close up, we just want to ask you a few just very quick questions sure. um, that we just thought might be kind of fun, which is what is one simple thing everyone in Fayetteville can do today to make it a better city? I, I think one simple thing is, is not to rush to judgment on every decision that's made from a political standpoint, but, but rather kind of, you know, wait and see what, what is, what's actually happening. I think sometimes we get caught up in I'm right and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always shades of gray in everything that's done, you know, in a lot of instances. I, I get it. There are some things that are very binary, very on or off. You're wrong, Randy. I'm <laughs> so, but, but I mean, I just think that, you know, if anything, I think I would love to, for us to kind of see that and, and not rush to judgment as quickly on certain things, but mm-hmm. just give, give some things, give time uh, a chance to happen so that we can really kind of understand exactly what's going on. Because wh- what I have found recently is that, there have been situations where we're just quick to judge. And sometimes we don't know the whole story. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I talk about in my other career of, of training leaders and, and doing work with companies is, you know, um, active listening. And that's why we have two ears and one mouth. <laughs> we should always listen more than we talk. And that's coming from somebody that does a podcast all the time. <laughs> so I'm telling you, there is something in that. And I'm all for listening to... Um, you know, being able to listen to my neighbors and understand where they're coming from and not prejudge because it's easy to do that. It is. But the quick, but, but I think in Fayetteville, if we practice that, if we, if we don't judge as much or judge as quickly, I think we'll find that, Hey, you know, a lot of the things that our neighbors are going through are the same struggles that we're going through. And sometimes we just need to be, need to be reminded of that. Wise words. Mm-hmm. Very wise. Well, uh, Last thing is just, do you have any organizations that you want to shout out that, you know, in, in this, in this realm of the, what we're discussing, is there any organization locally that you just want to, want to bring, call attention to? I would give a shout out to the Ozark Regional Transit. Um, I think what they're doing is great. I mean, they have on the ground floor, they have just, they've tried to get folks act active 
and it's hard, right? You know, some people just don't have time for it, but they've tried to get, I, cause they've reached out to me and so many others. Um, I certainly want to acknowledge what, um, uh, let's see who else would I really give I, the Northwest Arkansas council, I think has done a really good job when it comes to affordable housing, when it comes to that, that topic and just discussing it, shout out to Keaton Smith. You know, he's very active in the community, especially around the, the ideas of affordable housing. Uh, Mervyn Jabaraj, who is an amazing economist that has his, his finger on the pulse of, of where we're going as an economy, where this topic is deeply embedded in that. Um, and I think it's important for us to be having those conversations, because if we look at the health of our economy as a whole, if we're not taking care of the people that take care of us, we're going to run into a real problem. Amen. I have one other request of you. Sure. Can you share what you're up to? Because you've got some really cool stuff going on <laughs> with Encourage Build He's Grow. A man of many yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I want yeah. you to, to well, share. Well, I mean, yeah. So I, I do Encourage Build Grow is my company. And that company, uh, under the umbrella of that company, I have I Am Northwest Arkansas, which is the podcast that covers the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in the Ozarks. Uh, currently at, at the date of we're recording this, I'm up to 222 episodes. Dang. I know it's, pr- it's crazy. So <laughs> and I'm up to about 1500 episodes that I've done since 2009. So it, across yeah, all podcasts, across all podcasts. Yeah. So that's, wow. that's even working with, so I work with some companies that want me to help them do a podcast. So we'll do a season of episodes yeah. and we go from there. So yeah, it keeps me busy. And then if that's not enough, I just started Onboard NWA, which is a hyper-local job board for- um, Excited about that. Yeah, we're excited for small to medium-sized businesses to help them bridge the gap of of just connection with people that don't quite know about their companies. Of course, everybody knows about the Walmarts, the JB Hunts, the Tysons, but they're the- They're they're these smaller companies (laughs) that are viable as well, right? that's cool. I'll have to to look into them. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I mean, it's just great to be able to do that. But I'm just appreciative of this this community because it has been, uh, everything that I've given out to it, it's given back to me a thousandfold. So I Mm -hmm. I thank everyone, including you guys, for doing that and just giving me a a chance to be on this wonderful podcast. And this is the the start of something big because I think we'll look back in, in, in five or six years and be like, wow, you know, I remember when you just started that podcast and <laughs> look at where it is and look at what you guys have been helped would have helped to accomplish. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's, it is, uh, it's the, the expression I've always heard is that it is a pitiful frog that doesn't praise its own pond. And so I think it's very important for us to be excited about where we are. And oh if you aren't, gosh. if you aren't in a place, and this is to anybody listening, if you're not in a place where you're excited about where you are, you need to find a new place. Yes. Yeah. Full stop. Yep. You really oh do. Gosh. Life's too short. Agree. And you, you've got, you've got it. But once you're there and you find that place, you got to go all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I've Get gone back. all in, you guys have gone all in. And I think that's, that's the way that we can really seek the change that we want to see. So brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're that welcome. Was great. Yeah, thank you. Guys. you. It's been Appreciate great having it. you on. Absolutely. All right, thanks for joining us. Yeah.